Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and I'm coming in early with 90 Day Fiancé, which means that Bachelorette will be early this week as well, taking advantage of the long weekend. (laughs) So... We don't have any hot goss this week. Appears to be a pretty slow week. Um, but I do have some 90 day memes, which also there isn't a whole lot that I'm going to actually read on the pod. There's going to be a few more posted on Facebook and Instagram, but yeah, we're going to do that first and then we will jump right in to the episode. So, 90 day tweets around the world. Number one, who taught him how to gaslight before teaching him how to kiss? We'll get to that. (laughs) Man's horrible. For those who know, that's about Nicola, or I guess for those who don't know, it's about Nicola. Number two, I know these cameramen were hollering listening to Tyree theorize that first Carmela was a prison pen pal, but now she's a prostitute whose pimp is making her right to him. And we'll get into that as well. My goodness. Number three, when you have been watching too much Love After Lockup, which guys, that is coming out soon. It's coming out in sometime in July, I'm not sure, because we aren't covering it. But if anything fun and exciting happens on Love After Lockup, we'll do a quick little segment in a show about it. Um, Because I do watch it. I love it. So we will maybe do like a quick little theory. Not theory, a quick little segment I meant to say. Um, about love after lockup once that once that comes out. Um, actually, love during lockup that's coming out. Meme number three. Jasmine told Liz that earlier in the day she heard Gino call her dog Coco a rat. <laughs> well, I mean, my dog kind of does look like a rat, but that's okay. <laughs> and. That is the end of the memes for this week that I will read on the podcast. There will be a few more added to um, Facebook and Instagram once the show has been released. So, like we said, I'm going to hop right into B90, Season 6, Episode 5, titled Suspect. So first, we're going to talk about Misha and Nicola. So we first see Nicola is trying to wake Misha up. It's 7.45 in the morning. Now here's my thing. I don't know the time difference between where she lives and where and in, in Israel. But my girl's probably having some jet lag. I would think. So why are you waking her up at 7.45 in the morning? 
especially after what we hear, you guys had a little bit of a night. (laughs) But nothing happened in the sense of there was no sex. God's still happy, she says. Um, But she said that there was cuddling, kissing, and some heavy petting. So then we see production, the producers are asking Nicola, what happened the night before? Did anything happen? Was there heavy petting? He says he doesn't even know what that is. He he doesn't know what that is. Okay, I'm sorry, but you're with a 46-year-old man. I'm not saying, you know, he should have had sex by now. It is his choice, I guess, to be celibate or abstinent. We should actually say abstinent until marriage. Fine, that's his choice. But you should at least know certain things at this point of your life. One of those things should be what heavy petting is and he doesn't know that. So you're a grown-ass woman who has lived a life, you have two children, and here with a man who has not lived a life. I don't know. Anyway. So they're getting ready. They're going to be going out and they're going to be checking out some of the sites there. And Misha, I believe it was Misha, says that she didn't sleep at all because she, oh no, Nicola, sorry, said he didn't sleep because he was all excited. He said he's not used to being with a woman. Well, that ain't that for sure. Like, are you serious? That's not a shocker, sir. (laughs) She says, since post-conversion, since her becoming Catholic, this is the first celibate relationship she's been in. So that makes me wonder, makes me actually very curious. She converted some time ago. I believe she said it's been seven years, or maybe more than seven years, that she's been with him for seven years. Has she been in relationships since then? that she was not celibate in. So that makes me think, okay, you're not, you're not choosing to be celibate because of your religious views. Are you choosing to be celibate because of him being a virgin? Makes you wonder. But again, that's her choice if that's what she wants to do. And again, if she's celibate because of her religious views now, that's fine. Um, some people definitely choose to do that. Like, you know, if they've had hard times with relationships. They might choose to go celibate for some time or until marriage. That's fine. It's made me very curious. But she says to him, but because of the fact that he doesn't have a lot of experience with women and because they're not having sex together, she wants to make sure that there are no holes in their communication 
and that they are always communicating what they need to each other. He doesn't really seem to understand that because again, this man doesn't have a lot of experience with women. Sex aside, he has little experience with women and being in relationships with a woman. But he says, give him time. So one hour later, they he's taking her to what is called the Marywell. So I've never heard of this before, but it makes sense. I guess there's something like this. Basically, this is a well, for those who didn't watch, this is a well where they believed Mary went to drink water, get water, and it's this well with like this white wall, and you have like these pictures of of Mary. It seems very, again, I'm not, I don't consider myself Catholic at this point in my life, but I would find that very interesting for sure. Um, but she's definitely all over it. She, she says like, it's so, and again, this is how I think sometimes as well. So I don't fault her in this, but she says, it's crazy to know that years and years and years ago, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, she, Mary, Mother Mary was here getting this water. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so after going to the Mary well, they go get this drink that he considers famous, I guess, in Israel. And I said, tell us what it is, because it looks really good. I don't know if it's maybe like a, like a, I don't know if it's like a strawberry lemonade type thing, but again, like the consistency of it, maybe it's more like a smoothie. It looked really good. <laughs> and I wanted to know what it was. We didn't say what it was. Um, so then he's taking her to see like these other holy sites. Really interesting. And then they sit down and she brings up meeting his family. And this is kind of where you can see, I wouldn't consider this part gaslighting. That kind of comes a little later. Um, I don't even know if you really consider that gaslighting, but he's dismissing her. And this is kind of where it begins. He basically says, like, I don't understand why you keep bringing up my family our relationship isn't about my family. This is between me and you kind of thing. But she says, like, family is important. She wants to make sure that they're on board with this. Because if they're not on board with this, like, that could definitely make things difficult for their marriage. He doesn't understand that. And it's confusing to me because as a man who classifies himself as a Catholic, wouldn't you think that your family being included in your marriage is important? I'll get more into this in a minute. He tells us that he hasn't told his brothers that she's in Israel. She fully knows and expects that his mother doesn't know 
because she knows how his mother might feel about her having been married previously, having not be having um, children, and not being a virgin. So she knows all that, but it's confused as to why his brothers don't even know. He says that one. Okay, back up a little bit. Sorry, I'm gonna say this part. She says, then says to him, Do they even know I exist? So he says that one knows of her existence, the younger one, but that the other one doesn't even know she exists. And he makes an excuse about the fact that the reason the older the other one doesn't know, I guess, is older is because he's busy with his family. I guess he has a wife and kids, and he's busy with that. And that's why. No, but I'll get there <laughs> in a second. And she then says to him, everyone in her side, her family and friends, knows of him. She hasn't hidden him. Despite how maybe some people might feel, everyone knows. So now she says that she wonders that maybe the reason he isn't telling anybody is because he himself is ashamed of her past. Not that he's concerned like his mother would be have a problem with her past. And I say, Misha, you're on to something here. But I'll save my thoughts to the end of this little section. So she insists on meeting his family. And then he says to her, where in the Bible does it say you have to meet my family? Motherfucker, don't be using the Bible as a crutch for why you can't introduce her to your family. Don't even. Don't do that. And you're what relying on a book that according to historians was written eons ago. That's what you're gonna go to? How stupid are you? And then he starts laughing at her. He starts literally laughing at her. And she says, what is so funny? Why are you laughing? This isn't funny. And he says that he thinks it's funny that she keeps focusing on his family. I hate this man. I'm going to continue. He believes, again, like I said before, believes that the marriage is between him and her. But then he does say to her, he will tell his brother, the one who doesn't even know about her existence. And then he makes a joke, a further joke, and says, and I'm going to put a big sign up in Nazareth telling everyone about you. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Yes, a marriage is between two people, in the literal sense. But you are marrying two families. 
together. And they don't necessarily have to get along. They don't necessarily have to like each other. But there should be some respect for each other. And again, you don't have to... His mother doesn't have to like his choices. He's a grown-ass man. He can make his own choices. But he doesn't... She doesn't have to like his choices. But don't hide her from everybody. Because then... And my thing is, if this is supposed to be a godly union, why would you hide it? That's not a part of God's plan. God wouldn't want you to hide your wife from your family. So why would you do that? To me, it feels like you're you're more concerned about the church accepting her as an annulled person and, and, and annulling her marriage. You're more concerned about what the Catholic Church thinks but you could give two shits what your family thinks. Those two things to me don't make sense. Why have one but not the other? This man has no business being with anyone. He just doesn't. His religious views aside, this man, I don't even know if I would go as far as call him narcissist, but there is some kind of there's something going on in his head that is skewing his views on how to handle this. If you, I really truly think that Misha's onto something about him being ashamed of her. He is ashamed of you. He is ashamed of you. He's ashamed that you have two children. He's ashamed that you were married before and that it didn't work out. He's ashamed that you are a divorced woman. He's ashamed that you had some fun after your divorce. He's ashamed of all of that. And if you weren't a Catholic woman now, and you didn't see two suns come out of the sky, he would have nothing to do with you. You wouldn't have been worthy for him. And that's gross to me. What I think this woman needs to do is she needs to run. She needs to get the hell out of there and get home to her children because this man isn't it. I really hope that's how this ends, but I am scared that this is not how it's going to end, but we'll see. So there's one more part with them. So after their long day of sightseeing and drinking this amazing looking juice, we see that they're back at the hotel and he says, you know, it was a long day, he's tired, all that. And Misha says that, yeah, they had a good, they had a good day, but there was also some bad parts of their day. And obviously she's referring to their conversation. And she says, like, I don't want to rehash anything. But to me, this isn't a holiday. She has a purpose of being in Israel. And she thinks he is embarrassed by her. And she basically says, like, I'm not embarrassed by you. Why would you say that, Misha? Like, stop saying you are embarrassed by her. You don't even have 
the wherewithal to realize, though, that you're embarrassed by her. But you are. You are embarrassed by her. And instead of you just coming out and saying it, you find ways of making it her fault for feeling the way she's feeling. Anyway, he says that he didn't think it would be like drama between them when she was in Israel. He says that he then says that he, she should go to sleep. You want to know why he says he should go? She should go to sleep. He says she should go to sleep because she is talking nonsense. Now, this is what the meme was talking about in terms of the gaslighting situation. Again, I don't know if I would classify this as gaslighting. Maybe a little touch of it, but he, well, maybe in a sense there is some gaslighting happening here because he is, like I said before, making, blaming her for feeling the way she does. So I guess in a sense he is gaslighting her, but he's just a little more direct about it <laughs> than maybe, you know, more a more traditional gaslighter would do. He would talk circles. He's actually not even talking circles. He's just saying, you're dumb. Just right there and out there. Um, he then says to her, well, then if you don't want to sleep, then you should have some food because you barely ate at the restaurant. Maybe you're getting so hungry that you're just talking nonsense. I, oh, he, so she says to him, well then, are you just done with the conversation then? And he says, yes, he is done with the conversation. He doesn't want to have this. And she says that clearly I'm not done with this, the, the conversation. And then he says to her, you know, the problem is though, is that you're never done with the conversation. He tells her she is, and this is what I've said before, that she is most cute when she is mute. <sighs> okay. <laughs> We're going to get through this section and then I'll say my thoughts. But she does handle herself very well. She says that you're deflecting. That's what you always do whenever I want to speak my mind and have these conversations. You deflect. You don't want to deal with it. And she says, instead of avoiding these conversations, I want to have these conversations. I want to finish with these conversations. I want you to fly with me until this is done over with so that it doesn't have to be brought up again because the problem is is that you deflect well then it comes back up again it doesn't end and i understand that i fully understand that that's how i handle things as well if i'm in a situation with my boyfriend that we need to discuss well he i'll give him a minute i'll let him sit in it i'll let him gather himself because I also need to do the same, gather myself, 
And then we'll come back to this. And I say, okay, we need to talk about X, Y, and Z. And he's prepared and he's ready. Maybe sometimes he'll say, I don't want to deal with this right now. Okay, fine. I'll give you a little more time. But we will be dealing with this. And it will be done. So we can move on past this. Sometimes we have an issue with this. But it happens. You typically what happens. And it's dealt with. It's done. So that I can move on and stop thinking about it. And he can move on and stop thinking about it. The difference is, is nine times out of ten, he's a better communicator. And he has more experience with women than this 46-year-old man does. And he's nowhere near that age. So, you know, it's just, this is ridiculous. But he says that he can listen to her, but he doesn't have to agree with her. That's fine. No one is saying you have to agree with her. I don't expect you to agree with her. But yes, Nicola, you should listen to her. Problem is, is from what I'm seeing, from what she's saying, you don't listen to her. You don't listen. And you also don't take her feelings and her thoughts into consideration. That's another thing that's, that should be expected. He doesn't do that. So from what I'm seeing, and again, from what she is saying, He says that they argue, but he didn't expect it to happen in person. Why? Why would you not expect that in person? Again, this goes to show his emotional maturity isn't there. Why would you argue over the phone, but then not argue in person? Arguing is normal. That's a normal thing in a relationship. But you expect that wouldn't happen? You haven't changed as a person from text to in person. I'm assuming she hasn't changed from online to in person. So why wouldn't you expect that? It's what's the weirdest comment that he made. Actually, this was the weirdest comment. Um he he then says, and this was the biggest issue I had. And I feel like she doesn't even know what she's getting herself into. I feel like this is the quiet part that he just now happened to say out loud. He then says to her, he is the man and a woman can't control the man. Um, and again, he said this in, in his, in the moment, he didn't say this to her. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. No one really should control anybody. But with this comment that he made, it makes me think, okay, so she can't control you, but you think you can control her? There should be no control happening. There should be mutual respect. And again, if a woman is with a man who she knows is the more dominant person and she is expected to be submissive and she's well aware of that. Okay, fine. That's your decision. If that's what you want to do, that's not for me, but that's what you want to do. That's fine. However, this woman does not come across as a submissive woman and nor would she be. Just because she is a Catholic now 
doesn't mean she's going to be submissive to her husband. Those two things are not, they don't go together. Again, like I said, I will leave my thoughts to the end of this segment because I have thoughts, but I'll keep it limited. I don't want to go forever on these people. Um, so, yes, to go even further on, on that comment that he made, he says that he wants relaxation from Misha. Ew. So back to the conversation, she says, we have to rectify the issues, otherwise they keep coming up. So I mentioned that before. She says, if you are just agreeing, because he kind of says, we back up a little bit, he kind of says, okay, Misha, fine, fine, we'll do your way kind of thing. But she says to him, if you're just agreeing with me to shut me up, Know that this will come up again. Girl, yes. <laughs> Girl, yes. Now, here's what I'll say. And again, going from my experience, but in my relationship, sometimes you have to say the same thing over and over and over again. Um, that's what I have in my relationship sometimes. Certain things, not everything, but certain things. Until it finally sinks in, you know? That's just men. I really, truly think men just keep on with that energy for most of the time. However, this is a different situation. Because the thing is, he doesn't want to deal with it at all. He doesn't want to talk about anything. So, of course, things are going to keep coming up. So she says, for now, I'm going to let it linger, this conversation, and see where this goes. So here's my thing. This man is a misogynist. This man has an ego. And I don't know where the ego comes from, but he has it. And he's also not prepared to be with a woman of her age, with her experience, her life experiences. He isn't ready. I believe at this point, he pretty much convinced this woman to quit her job. He convinced her to quit her job. Why? Which I don't understand why. And now she's working in the Catholic Church. Okay, fine. This man is trying to create a 50s wife in the year 2023. This man is dangerous. Not only for her, but especially for her two children. She needs to get out of this right now. She needs to exit Israel right now. Actually, just exit him. Stay in Israel. I would love to go to Israel. Go explore. Do you? 
have fun without him because he ain't it. And then you just go home and you just say, well, you lose some, you win some, and now it's the lose because <laughs> this isn't it. I'm scared for her, and I am more so I'm scared for her, for her daughters, for her two daughters who are at a point in life where they are going to explore their life, and they're going to explore boys. I'm scared for them more so than her. She's made her choices. She can make her choice to leave the situation. Her daughters haven't chose, hasn't made this choice. They're being forced into something. I don't know if their dad is in the States or if he's back in Sweden or what, but maybe this is all they have right now and they can't leave. They have to stay with her. I don't know. She needs to protect her daughters from this crazy man. But yeah, those are... My thoughts on Misha and Nicola, that's the end. So now we're with Tyre. This will be a shorter segment, because they always are at this point. Okay, so he is with his sister, Lashanti, and they're getting like, they're clearly like at this outdoor market, and they're getting kettle corn and he's asked for lemonade. I think they both got lemonade. They're kind of just perusing this market. And he then tells, I think he tells Lashanti, I don't think he says this in a moment, but he says that he has definitely struggled to wrap his mind around everything that's happening. He said he hasn't been out in a couple of days. And he still thinks this is a misunderstanding. He says basically that, in a sense, he's still waiting for a message from quote-unquote Carmela. He says that he cares about it or her or what, I don't know. And he noticed on Snapchat that she has looked at the messages that he sent that it was looked at two days before and y'all he still has hope i have no hope that you're gonna get anything through this man anyway he thinks she might be in prison Oh my god. Um and that now she's out and her husband found out. What? Because he says, like, you know, when you're in prison, you know, sometimes you need a pen pal. So maybe she was just using me as a pen pal or talking to me as a pen pal, but now her husband knows about me, so now she can't talk to me. Y'all, listen to me. Tyre. We already know the basis of love after lockup. We don't need you to tell us. <laughs> this man is literally, oh my God, this man is literally advertising love after lockup for Matchup. 
on a Matt Sharp production. Oh my God. He's literally become an advertisement for Love After Lockup. What is happening here? Because I literally said, then sir, you're on the wrong show. If that's the case. <laughs> like, what? Again, though, guess what they have in prison, Tyree? Let's pretend for a second that is what happened, okay? She was in prison. Now she's out. So she clearly didn't commit murder, <laughs> if that's the case. But secondly, if that is the case and she was in prison, they have phones in prison that you could have talked to her. They wouldn't be talking on Snapchat. They don't have access to Snapchat. We already know this. They have their own chats and shit that you can ha- you can talk to people. Some people talk on Facebook, apparently. If you know, you know. <laughs> if, um, what's your face? Um, you know, Boston and them peoples. Anyway, I don't even know. I don't care. But they have their own sites that they usually talk on. Okay, but they have phones. And sometimes you even get video calls. Sometimes you have to arrange your video calls. And that has happened. So there should be no excuse for why you have not spoken to this person over the phone or saw them on a on a chat after how long has it been? Four years? No reason. This man is so delusional. And at one point, Lashanti actually says that you are delusional. Let's continue. So Lashanti tells us and him that she found out some stuff. After they reverse searched her for her photos, she actually did some more digging. My girl is auditioning for catfish. This is great. So they go and they sit down so they can talk about it. And she dropped her lemonade. <laughs> she dropped her lemonade. Poor thing. Um, so she tells us and she tells him that she found the photos on an escort page. So they talk about like different places that she has been in, Lancaster. Um, I can't remember all the different places, but Lancaster was one, I believe a different place in California that's actually not far from Modesto, and also Bakersfield. So, and he tells us that Bakerfield is a few hours away, but nonetheless, the person in the photos is nearby. So, oh, I think the other place was Stockton, if I remember correctly. And he says, she was so close, but I never saw her. Idiot. Because the person you're talking to doesn't, isn't the person in the photos, number one. Number two, we already have a theory. 
that the person you have been speaking to doesn't live in the country, but lives in another country that we like to call Nigeria, just based on the accent. Maybe it's a Nigerian in the States. That could be possible. Um, Because listen, Nigerians who don't live in Nigeria are still scammers. I know from experience. Let me not go there. But anyway, so yeah, he's so far gone at this point. He's literally grasping onto everything that he can to make this real in his head. And I'm just like, I can't with the storyline anymore. I can't watch him be so delusional. I can't do it anymore. I need more TLC. I need more. Um, so with this news, he gets up and he walks away and then he throws his phone and says, and blames his phone for getting him into this shit. Okay. It's not the phone. It's the user. And here's my thing. Is it possible for people to be catfish? Absolutely. There are people who thought they would never be catfished and were catfished. They make a whole series about it. (laughs) But the difference between you, the catfished, versus another person who's been catfished, is you're so hell-bent on making this real. Instead of accepting that this person isn't real. And I don't know, no, I do know why he holds on to hope. Because he probably thinks he can't find something better. I mean, you can't find anything better if you're not even trying to think differently or do differently or any of those things. You're not even trying at this point. So pathetic at this point. It's it's sad how pathetic this has become, this storyline. When it had potential for when he found out to not be this. He could have used it as a lesson. Instead, he's just continuing to hold on to it. It's it's too much. So So then, you know, we come back and he's back talking. Well, first he was talking to producers and he goes back and talks to LaShanti, but he tells us that he's upset that his girlfriend was on an escort site and that he doesn't want to judge, but that she should have told him about it. Again, she didn't have to tell you anything because the woman in the pictures is not the one you've been talking to. This is classic. This is classic catfish behavior if for those who watch catfish. Nine times out of ten, when someone is catfishing somebody, they go to these escort websites and use those photos. This is not new. 
And for, again, I'm going to say for a person who claims he watches catfish, is completely missing everything. Again, TLC, can we get an Eve and can we on the scene? Can we, please? Because I can't. That man can talk sense into people. We need Neve. <laughs> and Cammy can't be talk sense too. He says that if we were so close, oh my God, why haven't we not seen each other if we love each other? And that he is confused. Me too. Me too. But for a different reason. So he goes back to Lashanti and he apologizes. No, sorry, not apologize. He appreciates her telling him all of this because she says, like, maybe I shouldn't have told you. He says, no, no, I, I appreciate it. I need to know. And he says, when am I supposed to tell mom? You can't tell your mom anything until you get your head straight. Then you will be able to tell your mom what you need to tell her. Because he literally says, what am I supposed to tell her? That my girlfriend's an escort? No, because your girlfriend isn't this woman in the photos. She has also, She's also a victim to the catfishing because her photos and her likeness have been used to manipulate somebody. <laughs> um, so his sister kind of goes in off to the side and talks to producers and kind of says like she, she doesn't know what more to do to make him realize this woman is not real. And I said, at this point, this girl's ready to throw in the towel. Like, she's doing the most, and this man is not getting it. But he says that maybe Christian is her pimp. What the actual fuck? Am I being told right now? Christian is her pimp? No, Christian? Mm. Anyway, so, which I can't remember if I mentioned before, but there was a number, a phone number on the website. And before he walked away, Lashanti asked, do you want to contact her? Because I think she's hoping if we contact her, then maybe she can knock some sense into you and say, that's not me, right? So, but he walks away because he's frustrated. But then he comes back, obviously, and he says, send me the number. So she texts the number to him, and he calls it, and no one answers. And his sister suggests, why not text her? So he does text her, and... He basically says to her, I saw your ad and you basically look familiar to me. That's actually a really good attempt at trying to figure out if this person is connected. Which we already know she's not, but it's it's a good attempt. That's kind of what that's kind of what Neve would do. That's great. But basically, I feel like 
Tyra needs to go through life saying, what would Neve do? <laughs> and maybe this will help him. Um, so he basically takes her phone number, plugs it into Google. Okay, this is what Neve would do. And he ends up finding more profiles with her photo and finds that there's actually more phone numbers. Now that's what Neve would do. I think we're going in a direction and I hope we keep on in that direction, but I have absolutely no hope. But yeah, that's basically it with Tyree. There's not much more to say except it's the same old, same old right now with him. Um, hopefully something changes. We do know maybe something changes, but I don't know what that is. So we'll see. But that is the end of, of Tyree. Now we're with David and Sheila. Again, there's not a whole lot here with them, but there's definitely a lot more than last week, but there's a, a whole lot. So I think a lot of these segments after Misha and Nicola are pretty shorter. Um, but anyways, we're going to jump right into it with them. So they're basically on their way to, well, you think it's the hotel, but I think they're going to get food first. I'm not sure how close, for those who watch how close the food place was to the hotel, but um, he basically says to us that he's overwhelmed with all the traffic. He tells Sheila that because she says, like, what do you think so far? And he says to her, it's not like America, which, no, <laughs> it wouldn't. Um, but he is overwhelmed. He says that, you know, there's bikes everywhere and, you know, and there's so much traffic. And he says that he doesn't want to hit anyone. Um, but again, someone's driving them. I think they're used to the traffic in the Philippines and are used to these people being on these, I guess, I don't know if they're like mopeds or bikes or what, but he's used to it. Or they're used, the driver's used to it. And I don't, again, I don't know exactly where in the Philippines they are, if they're in Manila, but, um, wherever they are. He's overwhelmed, <laughs> but um, but he says the sweetest thing, and he says, "But with Sheila here in my arms, I'm at peace. <laughs> Be still, my heart." <laughs> but um, so. Yes, they're going to get food. And you see her trying to like point things and ask him like, what do you want to eat? And because she is so short and like the the sign above the counter is so high up, she actually climbs on top of the table and points to things in order to communicate with him as to what he wants to eat. And I thought that was Maybe, maybe probably the only thing she could do that was really good. And it helped because he was able to say, you know, yes, no, or whatever. It worked. But the guy behind the counter <laughs> has this look of astonishment on his face being like, 
What is happening? Why are you climbing on the table? Why are you pointing to things? Like he doesn't seem to understand. Um, but just go with the guy, just go with it. So after they figure out what they're going to eat, he actually like helps her, carries her off the table. So sweet. (laughs) That's the only thing he could have done, but it's so sweet. Um, so they order their food. They go sit down, they wait for the food to get ready. And he basically says like the conditions of the restaurant are really bad. He says if he walked into a restaurant like this in the States, he probably wouldn't have eaten there. But he does say the right thing somewhat by saying, but I'm going to keep an open mind about it because I'm really hungry. (laughs) And I said, ooh, halfway there. Because again, and again, like I've mentioned before, I live in Canada. And I think we definitely take for granted that we can walk into a restaurant that is maybe a little better looking in terms of condition of the restaurant or whatnot. I'm not saying that there isn't better looking restaurants in the Philippines. We've seen it like with Big Pride and Rose, whatever restaurant they went into looked nothing like this place. It looked very clean very nice. So I'm not saying that, but I think that for some, maybe maybe some parts of the Philippines, I don't know, but I think that maybe this is the best that it gets and doesn't mean the place isn't clean and that the food isn't prepared properly or or anything like that. I think we take that for granted. So he kind of went into that, like, I wouldn't walk into a place like this in, in the States. But he'll settle because he's hungry. And I'm like, well, you know, but it's okay. I like David. It's fine. <laughs> but I will call him out if I need to, despite me liking him. Um, so then he tells Sheila that he needs to use the bathroom. And my girl announces but I think because the guy doesn't speak English, but he, she literally announces, oh, you gotta pee. <laughs> and she says to the, the guy, you know, do you have a bathroom? And he, I guess the bathroom is locked. I, I don't know why it's locked, but whatever. It's locked. And he tries to unlock the door and it won't open. And David says, oh, the bathroom is broken. And before I go into the rest of this, I have to say, what does the guy do that works there? What do you do? Do you do what David's about to do and then not wash your hands? And then, ooh, okay, I can't go into it. I'm sorry, I can't go there, but I'm just, what do you do? You're working there. Don't you need to use the bathroom at some point as well? But anyway, so... Sheila says, okay, let's find somewhere that you can use the bathroom. And she basically takes him behind, like, I guess on the side of the restaurant in this, like, alley sort of thing and says, go here. (laughs) Because, well, sir, you're a man and you can just whip it out and pee. And so he whips it out and he pees. And I'm like, oh my God, the cameras are watching him, but they kind of 
darkened a little bit and more focused on Sheila, but then it refocused back on David before he was done, but it was weird. So he says, you know, that he is a little bit embarrassed about peeing in this alley, but it wasn't an emergency. And he says he really had to go pee, but pooping is different story. So he clearly needs to poop as well. But anyway, um, so they go back and sit at the restaurant and the table waiting for their food. And he thinks he was, so she, sorry, she thinks that he's mad because he kind of threw down his jacket. So she asks him, like, are you mad? He says, no, I'm not mad. I think, I think she's more in her head about this whole situation than maybe he is. Like she's, she's in her head about it. He's embarrassed by it, but he's not mad at her about it. Like it's not her fault that the bathroom wasn't open or couldn't open. It's not. So anyway, they finally get to the hotel. He says that communication, and she says this as well earlier, that communication between them has been more difficult in person than it was when they were online. But I think again, they kind of know this is going to happen. They expect this is going to happen because she doesn't know a lot of sign language. He can't speak to her. So I think they kind of, like he can't actually talk to her. So we kind of expect that this is going to be a little more difficult, but he really loves her. And, you know, they seem to have a lot of patience with each other. And I think that is very important. Uh, they get to the room. The room has two separate beds, but they, or he, I should say, moves the beds closer to each other. And in the process of moving the bed to the right over, there is a bug and he just stomps right on it. And he says that when finding this hotel, Yes, he expects that it was cheap. He knows this, but he expected it to be a little better. And he's not impressed. He thinks there's false advertising. And yeah, it doesn't look like a great room. It looks very, I don't know if sterile is the right word I would use, but not even sterile because that would be clean. (laughs) It doesn't look clean at all. There's like tiling on the floor, like there's no carpeting. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, but you know, what can you do? There's probably some bed bugs and bed bugs in that bed too. Oh God! They eat, and she asks him like how the food is. He says it's okay. He um, he guys. Oh my God, David, I love you, but. <laughs> He eats with his mouth open. He eats with his mouth open. And he, she thinks that maybe he does that because he can't hear himself eating. 
but I don't know. I'm trying to think because we haven't had a lot of deaf people on these reality shows. The thing that I've watched, I can't think of the one that's in that was on Love. I think during lockup she was on. I'm not sure if we ever saw her eating, but she also could talk too. But it was a different situation, anyways. Doesn't matter. She still probably couldn't hear herself, obviously. But wouldn't you feel the? Like, I can. I don't know because I'm not deaf. Um, wouldn't you still hear yourself eating? I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just curious. Like. Is that more because he's deaf or is it because he's just eating like an animal? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but she says that it doesn't bother her anyways because she loves him. That will change <laughs> eventually. She is going to have a problem with the fact that he eats with his mouth open. Anyway. And again, I don't see why eating with his mouth open makes him hear himself more. Because if he really truly can't hear himself eating, then what difference does it make chew with your mouth closed? I have problems. I, I don't like I don't like a lot of mouth, mouth noises. And my biggest pet peeve is the eating with your mouth open because I can hear everything. And I don't like it. So I immediately zeroed in on that when I heard it. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't like it, but that's me. That's just me. But anyway. Um, so she goes to change her clothes and she, again, talks about the fact that she's never been with a, a person who's deaf and, but she is hoping for good intimacy when it comes to sex. Um, and you see them getting into bed. They kind of have like a little bit of an awkward moment with each other. But eventually they figure it out. They are able to start cuddling and he's kissing her, kissing her forehead. And um, he tells us that he hasn't had sex in three years and that he has been waiting for her. So here we go. It's great. That's basically it with David and Sheila. I, I think everything's going to be fine, but, um, yeah, that's it. I have nothing else (laughs) about David and, and Sheila. So next, we have Jasmine and Gino. So it's a little bit, a little bit longer, but again, not as long as Misha and Nicola. But so we first see Gino. We see a Gino walk into a bar, <laughs> and he talks to the bartender and. He asks the bartender if she speaks English, and she does. And he basically just asks for, like, a light beer, and he, she gives him a beer, and looks good, by the way. But yeah, so he's drinking his beer, and he tells us that he has only been there for two days. 
my God. And that he was kicked out. This is going to come back because I have, I have a comment about this because I'm confused. Um, so he says that she has said hurtful things to him. And yes, she definitely has said hurtful things to to her, to him. There's no denying that. However, you also said something to her. As weird as it sounded, you told her that she was the worst sexual person ever. (laughs) You were trying to basically make a dig at her and basically, from what I interpret it as, you're basically trying to say she's bad in bed. And that's hard for a woman to hear. If a woman is told that you're bad in bed, for whatever reason that might be, that's a hard thing to hear. I think even a man, if you say a man is bad in bed, that's a hard thing to hear. Um, I never would tell a man that he's bad in bed. I would just not have sex with him anymore. He'll never hear from me again. That's my way of saying you're bad in bed. Because I can't be mean to your face, really. I'm not that type, but yeah, it's just, you just don't say things like that. Especially when you're saying something like that to a person you're supposed to be getting married to. So you're not innocent in this either, do you know? But she isn't either. I'm not giving her a pass. But anyway, so the bartender asks him why he's in Panama. And he says that he has a fiance in Panama, blah, blah, blah. But then he goes into the fact that him and Jasmine had this argument. He's telling a complete stranger that he had an argument with his fiance about a prenup. So, and I'm thinking, so you're telling this stranger about your business. Cool, cool, cool. So, she says to Gino, the bartender, that I get why she's mad because in their culture, prenups are not common. And he says, huh, okay, that's interesting. And she goes on to say that if someone were to propose to her, but then didn't want to share everything of himself to her, then I don't want to share myself with them. And he kind of catches on to the share. Although what I think, I don't know, I could be wrong, but what I think she's trying to get at is you're not just sharing your finances. Okay. Because yes, you would be sharing that. But it's not so much just about the finances. Because if you don't want to share that, well, then you obviously don't want to share, you know, your emotions with me. You don't want to share yourself with me. You don't want to share with me anymore. So I think like that's what she's going, coming at, but he takes it as, well, it's not about sharing. It's not about that, but that he wants to protect his assets he says that he doesn't want to lose what he has worked so hard for 
in a divorce, if there were to be a divorce. And the bartender calls him out and says, listen, if that is how you're thinking, that's a very negative way of thinking. It's not positive. And it's true. And I think, again, I think that seems to be, I think the issue is, is that Jasmine is feeling and thinking isn't unusual. What's unusual is her reaction. Because if we think about like Bilal and Shida for a second, because that's the most recent one in my head, she did not take it well either. And it wasn't that she wasn't taking it well because she's trying to take him for all he's got, because she had a life in Trinidad. She had money in Trinidad. She was doing fine for herself. She didn't have to come to the States and be with this dum-dum, but she did. And the biggest thing for her is that she wants to be sure that she can establish herself in this country, that he's going to help her establish herself in this country, and that he isn't going to leave her high and dry. That's not abnormal way of thinking. The problem is, is that Jasmine is, goes to zero to a hundred in a second. That's the problem. So I think that's kind of where, where the issues lie here. But he says that prenup doesn't mean that he doesn't trust her. But, you know, he's concerned about all the fights and the fighting and stuff like that. It may not necessarily mean that in your mind, you know, but that is what she is feeling, that you don't trust her. And I think the problem is, is that he tries to voice that to her, whether it's true or not. He tries to voice it to her, and she's not allowing him to talk. That's the problem. Again, their communication needs a lot of work, and I don't think it's going to get any better. I don't think it would, even if she's in the States, because she does go, because again, as we will see a little later on, she says that she recognizes her zero to a hundred personality, yet we see that she will blow up again. We don't know why, but she does blow up again. Now we're with Jasmine and and her sister. And she is talking to her sister about this whole situation with Gino. And um, she talks about her divorce with her ex, and she feels like all of that nightmare is happening again with Gino. And she says that she doesn't want to go to the U.S. if there are doubts. And then it ends up not working out. And that's a fair assessment. Um, it's fair. Um, her sister says that she would have left Gino 
long ago and that Jasmine is suffering. And Jasmine starts crying, you know, usual. And she doesn't feel protected by Gino. And her sister says, like, there's someone else out there that will protect you and will value you. But Jasmine doesn't want to hear any of it. Jasmine says no. She doesn't want to leave Gino. She loves him. And she has, and here's the, here's the big dinger. Here it is. She has a fear of not being loved. This is why she stays with Gino. She doesn't stay with Gino because she loves Gino. Although I think she does love Gino. But she stays with Gino because she thinks that this is the best she'll get. Because no other man wants to deal with her. So, she also says that her worst fear is rejection. And I think this also kind of ties into the fact that he won't sleep with her. Or that there is this clearly a struggle here. Um, she feels that it is her fault because she mistreats him. Now, do you, does she mistreat him? 100%. And I think she does have to own that. However, it's not just her fault. Gino. I think Gino's trying to grow some balls, number one. <laughs> but number two, Gino isn't taking into consideration her feelings. But again, neither is she. So it's just, these two shouldn't be together. They really shouldn't. But I want them to stay together because of the drama. But anyway, they, they really, truly should not be together. So then Jay says, what if I told him I will sign the prenup? She's basically saying she'll sign it, right? Hold on to that. For those who didn't watch, hold on to that. Um, because she says she doesn't want to lose him. She wants to marry him. So then back with Jasmine in the apartment. And this is where I said I'm confused because Jasmine says that when she got back, Gina wasn't home. But he told us he got kicked out. He got kicked out of the apartment. So which is it? Was he kicked out or was he still supposed to be there? I'm confused. I'm really confused. Um, but she says that she texts him and that they are going to meet up and talk about everything. So we see Gino is sitting there waiting for her. He says that he is nervous because he feels like he is between a rock and a hard place when it comes to this prenup. He says that 
he needs to stand up for himself. This is what I mean by he's trying to grow some balls, but anyway. Um, so she gets there, and she sits down, and he tells her that she looks very nice, and she says that he also looks very nice, but she also hesitated <laughs> before she said it. Um, so she starts off by saying that she was sorry about how she acted. She says that her worst trait is getting when she gets mad. When she gets mad, she attacks. And he he ends up saying to her that he put more thought into the prenup, and he says that he is just going to give up, or he might give up on on the prenup and he says that he doesn't want to lose her so she doesn't want to lose him and would have signed it and he doesn't want to lose her and says forget it okay so he he says that maybe the fighting is because of some cultural differences. So he's basically taking into account what the bartender told him and think, okay, maybe this is just not the regular way of doing things. And she isn't quite understanding because this isn't a normal thing here. So maybe I need to drop this. So, um, <clears throat> you can always do a post-nup, but no one is obligated to sign a post-nup once you're married. I can't know what's really obligated to sign a prenup either, but once you know, you don't have to sign a postnup. So, um, so he says, you know, maybe she can stop saying hurtful things because the things she said hurt him, you know, bring up the ex and all that. And he says that he still loves her. And she asks for a kiss and they kiss and whatever. So then their food comes and he says, so she says in her in the moment that she would have signed it, but she chose to keep her mouth shut and let him talk first. So it benefited her. So anyway, you think all's going to go well. They're in a happy place. But wait, there's more. Jasmine basically asks him, how would you feel about signing a will? And he says, or she says, just in case you die. And he says, we haven't even got married yet, and you're thinking about my death? <laughs> and I said, fair, that's a fair assessment. And he says that if I die, you will be with my family. 
And she says, you mean the family that hates me? And she says, like, they don't like me. And I said, you know, they will screw with her. So here's my thing. Here's my assessment here. I think that, and again, for those who don't know much about wills and estates, and again, I'm coming from a Canadian perspective. If you sign a will, it's not foolproof. Although, although, as far as I know, I don't think Gino has children. So I don't think there's going to be much of a fight. But just because there is a will doesn't mean that a family member can't fight it. But again, I don't know how that works when there's a, a fiance. This is pre-marriage. I think in his case, if he has siblings, it will go to the siblings. Like basically, here it goes. If there's not a will, it goes through. Um, I can't remember the term now that it would go through pro pro something. I'm I don't work in wills, <laughs> and it's been a while since I learned this, but it goes through a system of if you have a wife, it goes to the wife. If you have kids, it goes to the kids. If there's no kids, then it goes to your parents. If your parents are passed, it goes to um, your siblings. If you don't have siblings, well, then it, you know, go on so forth and whatever it might go to his uncle. So, you know, kind of like that. That's what would happen. So I can understand her asking for a will to make sure she is protected um, in the States. But then here's the other thing, Jasmine. And, and again, she would still be in a not an easy situation when she goes back to Panama. But if you don't marry him, then no one has applied for your adjustment of status. You're probably going to get deported. And I don't know how a will will protect you at that point, right? I don't know how that protects you when it's now international situation. So I don't know how that works. But if you get married, guess what? There is no fight at that point. His family can't come for his money. The money is now yours. His assets are now your assets. Because, as I've mentioned before, if there is no will and it goes through the process, the wife gets everything and you're his wife. So there'd be no need for this fight. So, and again, just because he has a will, again, just because he has a will, He's probably not going to appoint you. Again, this is going a little more technical, but there are different legalities, definitions, and stuff in a will that a person, maybe an average person, doesn't know. But you need an executor, and the executor or executee, if male or female, whatever, executor. And this is a person who 
is responsible of making sure your will is being dealt with and people in your will who have been given certain things are getting what they have been told they're getting. Chances are he's probably not going to appoint her the executor because she doesn't understand American laws and whatever. So it would be stupid if he were to appoint her the executor. He's going to appoint probably his uncle and then you would appoint a backup so so forth, right? And his backup is probably going to be like his cousin. Okay. It doesn't change the fact that the person who is the executor can still screw you over. I think she thinks this will is the end all be all, but in all honesty, it actually isn't. I think the purpose is, like, again, if you do have assets and stuff like that and you die young, then yes, it's good to have a will. But in my mind, for me personally, like, I, I don't have a will. And I probably will never have a will until maybe I'm in a situation where I do have children and I do need to make sure that my children are protected if, God forbid, something were to happen to their father, right? So in that case, yes, the main reason is I don't want my children to end up somewhere where I wouldn't be comfortable with. That's That, to me, is the biggest purpose for a will. Um, the finances come second to that. This man doesn't have children, <laughs> but he does have assets. Again, he has his house. I don't know if he owns his home and he does have other assets. So yes, maybe a will is important in that case. Maybe he already has a will. We don't know. Then that point, if he already has a will, then you add on to your will, right? There's there's a term for those amendments, but you add on to your will. So it's just, I don't know. <laughs> but again, you just have this conversation about the prenup and he's squashing it. And then you decide, suck up the will. What is, and I said, girl, timing, timing is everything. And now wasn't the time to bring this up, like at all. But anyway, that is the end of Gino and Jasmine. So now we're with Christian and Cleo. So we're with Christian first, and he is going to see his friend Tom. And he tells us that he's known Tom for 10 years. He says that they have a lot in common and a lot of stuff together. And he says that they've even dated the same women before. But not at the same time, he had to say. He had to add that in. Um, but he says that, I don't know, again, again, I didn't catch her name, but I think it's like Jamila or Jamela or something like that. But um, I don't know if, if it's Tom's wife or girlfriend or what, but he's, he says, I've never dated her. <laughs> um, so the friends tell us that they found out about Cleo about two months ago. So it's still very fresh. And Tom asks 
asks if the if his if Christian's family knows that Cleo is trans. And he says that he didn't want to tell them at first. He wanted to keep it to himself. But now his parents found out two days before because he clearly told a different family member who then told somebody else and that person told somebody else and then it got to his parents. And I thought, oh, so like a Jamaican family. (laughs) There are no secrets in a Jamaican family. You literally have to say something to somebody and say, don't tell nobody. That is the only way that there are secrets in a Jamaican family. (laughs) Otherwise. Um, so, um, so he tells, he tells Tom and then he also tells us in, in his, in the moment that his family was very confused and they didn't take it well and that they were also very antagonistic and also saying hurtful things about, for example, that Cleo is pretending to be a woman and all that. And again, this is just, you know, transphobia at its finest. I think, you know, if we talk about like drag queens and the animosity that they're getting right now, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So he says that he is mad that they didn't accept it. I don't want to say how he should feel, but usually mad or anger roots to a different emotion. I think he is also, what he didn't say is that he's also very disappointed in his family um, and not accepting him and Cleo and their relationship. And he says that he expected that they would accept. And I, I wonder why he thought that. Um, I think you have a hope and even downright an expectation that someone should accept someone for who they are. But I wonder why he thought they would, because Tom says he's not surprised but Christian is surprised. So it's interesting that we have these two different people who I think Tom knows his family fairly well and why he thought, Tom thought they wouldn't, but Christian did. It was confusing. But again, he knows his family. So I don't know. Maybe he doesn't actually. So he says that if he needs to, he will disassociate with his family. But Tom also says that he thinks that it would be easier said than done for him to disassociate with his family, which I agree. I don't think it's easy to disassociate with the family that you're close with because he has prefaced quite a bit in his segment that he's very close with his family. So, he says that he doesn't want his family to come between him and Cleo. But then he also says some point in this sec in the section that 
he doesn't want his family to get in his head either. And this also, this, you can kind of see in a little bit that his family is affecting him and is getting to him. So then we're with Cleo and she has two cats with her. We'll get to their names in a second. But she's going to Airbnb because Christian got an Airbnb because Cleo has a roommate. Um, So she says like, you know, we want to have our privacy so that they're able to get to know each other. So yes, we see her two cats and one is named, I believe it's, I can't read my handwriting guys. <laughs> I think it's Arbius and Comey as her two cats. They're very cute. Um, <clears throat> she tells us that her cats help her with her anxiety. So they're absolutely non-negotiable. So she's hoping that Christian likes her cats because he is more of a dog person. So she tells us that she knows about his family's reaction to her. And obviously, again, like she doesn't really say all of this, but this was a worry she had in their previous episode where she was afraid of how society was going to accept them. And here we see it's starting to happen. She... So she's, you know, she obviously she's worried because she knows that he's very close with his family. And then she tells us, and so this is where we see the effects are starting to happen. She tells us that PDA or just affection in general is very important to him. It's important. And he apparently told her and the seems that the timing is showing that this conversation happened after the family found out. And she tells us that he has changed his mind about kissing each other and maybe hugging each other at the airport. And it's making her feel that he is maybe embarrassed by her maybe he's backpedaling in terms of accepting her she's really in her mind about why he's now changing his mind and is connecting the dots and she says to us that this isn't new to her she's had people not fully want to show her off and be maybe even ashamed of her because she is trans and um so she kind of maybe is seeing that the that this is happening again with Christian and um I really fell for her again in this moment because she should be able to be who she is and if this is who she is then who is anyone else to question that? And on top of that, and this is something she has absolutely no control over, she's autistic. And again, 
you do, or I should say, I shouldn't say she is autistic. She has autism and you can't help how you process things. Your processing is very different than someone who doesn't have autism. And I don't know, it's just, it's hard for you not to think that Christian is changing his mind because his family has gotten to him. But in the same breath says that he doesn't want his family to come between them. Well, pick a lane and stay in it because you are just going all over the place with how you want her to, well, not so much her, how you are now processing your relationship with Cleo. So then we are back with Christian and he's getting ready to go to the airport. And he tells us that he has mixed emotions. Um, because of his family. Because on one hand, he's excited to see her, but then on the other hand, he is nervous because of his family. So again, you're basically letting him win. So, but anyways. So Tom is taking him to the airport. And he's saying, because Tom says, like, you know, are you excited to see her and hug her and kiss her and like this is a friend he needs to hold on to this guy's great not like the other ones so um he he says that he tells tom that he is not there's not going to be any pda for their first meeting and that again he's just really thinking about the negative things his family is saying it's weighing on him. And uh, yeah, he says he doesn't know what he's going to do. And Tom is, so this is the other thing. This goes as a show that this is not a typical thing for Christian because Tom says that he's actually shocked. Okay. He is shocked that he isn't going to be kissing Cleo when he sees her and says that he would be hurt if that was him. Because the other thing too that Christian does is he makes an excuse and he says that, well, you know, if this was a normal situation and you go on a date with somebody, you wouldn't kiss them on the first date, right? You would wait. Now everyone's different. <laughs> Um, but I hear him, but again, like I said, everyone's different and he's making that as an excuse saying that, you know, yes, he's been talking to her for two years, but he's not seen her and that's why he shouldn't kiss her. Lame ass excuse. Own up to the fact that you don't want to kiss her because your family has gone to you. Their transphobia has gotten to you. But anyway, he basically, I'm not sure, can't remember now if it was Tristan who said this or Tom who said this, but either way, whoever decided this is unsure about things because they mentioned that Cleo is 
transgender and autistic. That is basically it on Cleo and, and Christian. So now we're with Riley and Violet. And he, we see him basically getting dressed, which I didn't really need. So I'm going to skip on past that. <laughs> I don't need to see this man putting on deodorant. So moving on. So he does a video call with Tiffany, which is his friend's wife we saw in the first episode. And they have very briefly talked about his first meeting with Violet. And he says that, you know, she was very beautiful and, you know, all that, blah, blah, blah. But then he tells her she, this is how he puts it. He puts it, he tells Tiffany that she made a lot of plants and couldn't see him today. And Tiffany says that she's very confused by this. Here's the thing. Riley, you're changing the narrative because she literally told you she had meetings and she had to go to work. That's not her making plans that she literally can't get out of her job. That's not the same thing. However, what I will give Riley is there is some weirdness here. So I will get to that in a second. So Tiffany says, you know, she should be spending time with you and tells him, don't be a wuss and don't get caught up in the beauty or the booty because, and he literally says, it's a nice booty though. <laughs> like, oh my God. Because anyway, he, she says like, why aren't you spending time with her? Why isn't she showing you where she lives? Her daughter that you spent money on, like, you know? And first of all, she is not obligated to have him meet her daughter at all. That's she can say, or I think she has two daughters. She's not obligated whatsoever. Those are her children. So her rules apply no matter what Riley chose to do. Number one. Number two, he's not giving you the full thing here. He's kind of, he's creating the narrative that he wants you to have. He's not being fully truthful. So, but what I will give her is that he should be telling Violet what he expects and he kind of is, but I'm kind of isn't. So she asks, is there someone else there with Violet that's preoccupying her time? And he says that, you know, I did think about that. And I can understand this. I, I do. But at the same time, you got to take what she said for face value. The problem is, is that you completely ignored everything that she told you. So he then brings up the fact that he gave her these pearls and that she basically 
didn't have the reaction he expected, kind of acted like the pearls were basic. And I said, because they are basic to her. She's just not going to tell you that because she doesn't want you to think she isn't appreciative of your gift. But they are basic to her. She doesn't give a shit. She literally says, they're not rare here. Yes, it's my birthstone, but I don't like pearls. And again, it makes me wonder, did you ever have a conversation about this? I, I think he just surprised her with these pearls because they're her birthstone and he wanted like the thought counts but they clearly never had the conversation and uh, she doesn't want to make it seem that she's not appreciative so I can understand that from her perspective but he clearly caught on that this ain't shit to you so Anyway, so Tiffany basically said, okay, so then we're going to get those pearls back. He said, I'm not taking them back. You don't take a gift back. And again, I I have to say, Tiffany, would you say that if you give these pearls to an American woman? Or are you just saying that's because she's Vietnamese? He says that there are other gifts that I have for her that I haven't given her. And there's one thing in particular that she may or may not get. It just depends on how this trip goes. And y'all, that's a ring. So Tiffany says, show me the ring. So he shows her the ring. And she says, it looks very bandy to me. And he says, it's not a wedding band. And he tries to make this fancy and says, it's a commitment ring. No, sir, it's a fucking promise ring. And we have discussed about promise rings. You are a 48-year-old man giving a woman a fucking promise ring. Grow the fuck up. (laughs) But he says that she will not get the ring unless she proves herself to him. Okay, I can get behind that. So we see Riley is trying to get a cab to a place called Independence Palace because, and this is in the afternoon, just to preface, and if you recall from the previous episode, she told him that she couldn't spend any time with him until the nighttime the next day. So this is in the afternoon. So he tells us that Violet texted him saying, meet me at Independence Palace. So she also tells him that she has changed her plans with her school and this is why she's able to do this. So he gets there and she tells him that the president who lived, I guess like the president of Vietnam, lived in this this palace. I don't know if it's actually a palace or this is what they just call it. Um, but lived there for 20 years um, during the the war. So I'm going to assume it would have been the Vietnamese War. She also tells us that there was a tank that somebody, I didn't catch the name, rammed into this fence. So you see the tank and you see the fence and all that. So she's really trying to immerse him into her culture and the Vietnamese history. And so then he asks her 
why she changed her plans. And she says that she realized that it would have been unfair if she left him alone to do his own thing. And he tells her that he felt as if he was an afterthought. And in this moment when he says this, she basically says, what is an afterthought? She doesn't know what this means. I guess for her, maybe this is not something that's easily translated back into Vietnamese. For her in her mind, she's like, what is that? She's not understanding. But instead of him, you know, realizing that she doesn't understand and actually hearing her when she says something back to him, he just keeps on going and expects that she understands him. If you're going to have a conversation with her about how you felt, which I don't have an issue with, you should be telling her how you feel. That's fine. Um, but you need to hear her. Conversation is a two-way street, not a one-way street, and you're not hearing her clearly. So you can clearly tell she doesn't fully understand what he's saying because she basically, he says it again, I felt like it was an afterthought, and he, she says, thank you. She doesn't understand what he's, but because again, these, again, these are two different women, but I'm using these two as an example. You can clearly tell that Sheila's English is fairly good because she does speak a lot of English, even in her in the moments. Whereas with Violet, she doesn't. She speaks Vietnamese in her in the moments. And she doesn't speak as much English. So I don't think she's as like she's she's as comfortable speaking English. And he needs to be a little more patient with her. But I also have another idea that I will leave to the end of this. So he he is surprised about her lack of emotions because he says like I feel like she's not quite understanding me and then says that no it's not about the fact that she has a lack of emotion she doesn't fucking understand what you're saying she doesn't understand that and you take it as she has lack of emotion. No, you're dealing with a woman whose first language is not fucking English, despite the fact that you speak English. This is again another thing of, well, I speak English, so you should be speaking. No, you chose to be with a woman who lives in Vietnam, who doesn't speak English maybe as well as maybe you'd like her to. So here's an idea. How about you get a fucking translator app so you can easily express what you're saying and it can then easily translate to Vietnamese so she understands what you're saying. The lack of just awareness from him is shocking. He's in his own fucking world. He's not even considering maybe what she's understanding and not understanding. And again, this is another person who, and it's so gross to me, but this is another person who clearly is very fixated on Asian women, and that's all he sees. But then you don't know, think about, well, maybe this Asian woman doesn't quite fully understand what I'm saying because she doesn't live in the States. He's such a fucking idiot. 
I I didn't hate him in the beginning, but then I just slowly, very slowly started thinking to myself, this guy has problems. And I, uh, I'm not saying she's in a zone because she's not, but I don't like her not being heard by him. So, um, so he says, like, I feel like you don't care. And she says, I do care. So she clearly understands that he could have said that. <laughs> um, and he says, so I guess like she's kind of like playing with him and she, he says, sir, stop punching my fat. Okay. So he's really sweating a lot. And he says, yo, it is really hot out here. It is so hot in your country. Y'all need an AC outside. And I said, okay. <laughs> I don't like being hot either. So I kind of, I have to give him that. Um, so she says, okay, we are going to go inside. Um, and then he says, like, they're walking. And he says, give me a minute because my my knees are really hurting me. And apparently, he doesn't really go into a lot of detail, but he says, maybe he did in a previous episode, although I don't quite remember him going into this detail either. I'm not even sure if we knew this, but he says that he his knees were injured in the military. So he says that he didn't want to tell her because he felt that she wouldn't respect him if she knew that he was hurt. And then I think to myself, okay, but then if you can't be yourself and tell her everything about you, and you are a f- you have a fear that she doesn't respect that and maybe doesn't want anything to do with you because of it, well then, sir, that's your answer. That's exactly then why you shouldn't be with her. You're just going to end up in a similar situation like before where you have a friend trapped in the closet and you have another one ghosting you because she had to go to Philadelphia and then never come back. (laughs) He's just setting himself up for failure. Because then in that case, she's the one who's shitty, not you. Especially when you did this because you were serving your country. Like, again, thank you for your service. Like, I think she can, she literally took you to a place where, and again, this for her in Vietnam involved the states, but she's taking you to a place where it's kind of themed around the Vietnamese War. So she clearly has some understanding, but, and again, is she going to get mad at you? I'm very confused as to why he thinks that she would respect him. Like, I just thought that was a very odd comment that he made, but anyway, that is it on Riley and Violet. Basically, the only other thing was that she kind of took him to his balcony and they looked out the balcony. That's basically it. So there's really nothing else. 
But yeah, that's it with Riley and, and Violet. So last, but certainly not least, Amanda and Rasvin are next. And thank God this was a much shorter segment with them. But I'm probably still going to have a lot to say. And I realize actually at this point that we actually had every single couple this time around. We had everybody. Well, couple and, and then there's Tyre, but we had everybody. Um, so it was a lot. Um, but anyways, so they're driving from Bird Park. And <laughs> I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's what it's called. So, so she says to him, do you understand why that I'm upset? And he tells her, yes, I understand. And I'm sorry. No, don't apologize to her. Don't fucking apologize to her. Anyways, let's continue. She says in her in the moment, that since she's been here, since she's been here, she felt that he hasn't, so, sorry, he, she says that he has not been, and again, guys, I can't read my handwriting, but I think pretty much what she's saying is that he hasn't been considering her and her feelings. And she says that she's upset because she feels like he has been dismissive of her feelings about the kiss. And I said, have you thought about his feelings? You've been dismissive of his feelings. And again, you want to weaponize this whole situation after he literally asked you, do you want to be in this video? And you told him no. So guess what, Amanda? Shut the fuck up. You don't have a right to feel a certain way when he was literally considering you. And he thought of you and you told him no. So shut up. <laughs> so she then says, and again, this is all on her in the moment. She then says she doesn't think he has done it on purpose, but that he needs to hear her more. You also need to hear him more. It is not, this is not the Amanda show. This is not woe is me. I'm not, you're not a damsel in distress. You're an equal partner in this relationship and you have not considered him either. If anything, he's been doing his best to consider you, but you haven't done the same for him. And he says as much, like he does say that kind of later on. So he, he just says to her, like, you know, not everything is in my control. And then she says, oh, it's not. Well, Maybe you should have taken, actually, I think I'm going ahead here, but who cares? She basically said, well, maybe you should have taken a business call because the business call is in your control. The kiss is in your control. Everything is in your control. You know what's also in your control, Amanda? Your thoughts and your feelings and you acting like an adult. That's also in your control, but somehow, way, you don't act like one. You act like you're a teenager. He then says, and I'll, I'll get into this in a second I'm, I'm, because I do have thoughts on this, but 
he basically says to her that he did all of this because he was kind of wanting to see how she reacts. And she says, oh, Phil, then you're playing a game with me to see how I'm going to react to something. And so like, that, that's what you're trying to do. So here's what I'll say. And it's not that I agree with this, but I'm going to call my again from experience. There are some men who decide that they want to do a certain thing because they do want to see how you react because then it gives him everything he needs to know. Can I handle you in this relationship? Do I see us going further than, you know, the beginning stages here? Because if I don't, then I'm not going to waste my time or your time. Now, I've been in two fairly serious relationships and both of them in the very beginning of the relationship decided to piss me off on purpose to see how I reacted. And it's dumb, maybe, because you'll see it eventually. Sure, at some point you're going to piss me off, not on purpose. But at the same time, I kind of can understand why they did that. And again, that includes my current relationship. I kind of can understand why, because what if I am a Jasmine? Do you want to deal with me? What if I'm a doormat? Are you going to respect me? You know, they want to see if on one hand you can control your anger. And I would agree the same would go for the other side. If you can control your anger and then not only that, are you going to respect yourself enough to, you know, say what's on your mind as well? So I get it. But again, this is a woman who has only been really in one relationship, has only real well, as we as we know, has only been maybe in one quote unquote adult relationship and hasn't really experienced anything. So she's stunted. Let's be very real. She has been stunted at the age that she met Jason, which is 17 years old. And she can't look at the bigger picture. In all honesty, husband has more relationship experience and he's younger than her than she does. That's, you know, just because she's been married doesn't mean that she has the same relationship experience that he does. That's very real. Although she's not a virgin and she has children, she's no different than Nicola. She doesn't have that life experience. She was with one man and married him, and he is older than her. I believe if we think about it, when she met him at 17, we haven't really said the quiet part out loud here, but he would have been in his 30s when he met her. Let us sink in a little bit, and again, I don't want to talk about of the dead. But he would have been, again, like I, I think he was, what, 45 when he passed? Maybe I'm wrong with the age there. I think 45, but he would have been in his 30s. We'll give him maybe early 20s. Not early 20s, late 20s. But at the very least, he got involved with an underage girl. But we don't want to talk about that, do we? 
So I'm going to keep going. But I have to say that. This poor girl was stunted when she met him. But that doesn't mean that she can't, you know, she could have still grown with, with, with Jason. And she clearly didn't. He says that he's worried that Amanda will leave him because of his career. Because as we already know, this has happened before with his ex-wife. So he starts crying and, and it's in the moment he does talk about, again, about the ex-wife and that they divorced after six months and all that. So she asks him, why are you getting so emotional right now? And it's a fair question. So I'll give her that. He says he doesn't want to get hurt again and continues to say, I think actually he might have said this in his in the moment. He says that when he loves, he loves hard. So he invests all of himself into a relationship. So he, because of that, probably just gets hurt even more so because of that. And she says, I love you, but I don't feel like you hear me. Well, Amanda, you also don't hear him. And again, I'm not saying that we should deflect onto Rasvin because you're saying what you're saying and he should hear you. But you should also include what he is feeling because clearly you all have emotions and you don't know how to address them. So he does say that. I do hear you. And he says that I feel like you're mean to me. So we again saw this last week. And she apologizes, which is great. I hoping hoping she means it, but she apologizes. And she says that she was just upset. Okay. I don't know why you're upset, but okay. Like I don't, I know why you're upset. I just don't agree with you being upset. <laughs> so he says, so sorry, she actually says in her in the moment that maybe because she's putting so much weight on this relationship that she's expecting a lot from it because she's thinking this is a, could be a future husband, a father figure to her children. So she's putting so much on to this relationship that maybe she is going too hard on him. And I said, thank the Lord, you're finally getting it. But let's see if you can apply this knowledge to the relationship. So we'll see how that goes. But that is the end of Amanda and Rosman. And that is the end of the episode. So next time on New Couple Alert, I knew there was one more coming. And I think your name is Stadter or 
slaughter. I don't know, but slaughter, God. But whatever, we'll figure it out when we see her again. But this is um the this is our well our only lesbian of the season, a lesbian couple of the season. So she basically says that she met someone in England. She tried all the dating sites in the States and but she met this woman in England and she tells us if all goes well, she'll move to England. And again, if you remember from the first episode with the season that's coming on the season, she says that she doesn't know she's gonna move to England. She's unaware of the woman that she's with. And I didn't I don't think she says her name yet, so we didn't get her name. And then we see David and Sheila, they're in bed, and they clearly had sex, and he says, you know, was that good for you? And he said, the lucky for you, I'm good with my hands. You've seen this before as well. And then Christian, we see him on the airport, and we see that Cleo is waiting for him. Or sorry, I think we see him on the airplane and then we see the airport and Cleo's waiting for him. That's basically all we saw with them. And then Jasmine, we see she's calling Dane Dan. And she basically says to Dane Dan that Gino doesn't want to have sex with her. Ma'am, why are you telling your ex-boyfriend that? And he basically says that she deserves someone who wants to be with her and always. And I guess he's thinking, that's me. <laughs> oh, it's so inappropriate. And then, last but least, but last but not least, but we see Violet and Riley and they're walking. I, it looks like this is right after going to the Independence Palace. And she's on her phone and he asks, who is that? And he can see that it's a dude without his shirt on. I guess, I don't know if this person sent this picture. And she says that he's just a friend. But he freaks out and says, you know, fuck you, I'm out basically. And he walks away. So, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Again, I realized I should probably have done this in the beginning. Just a quick, quick announcement for those who didn't see the Instagram or Facebook post. I realized that I made a little bit of a mistake. I believe we talked about doing Bachelorette bi-weekly once we have the other shows starting with um, Toe and uh, UK. So with that being said, we will be covering Bachelorette this week and next week. And then after next week, we will be going to bi-weekly episodes. And, um, and again, just to make sure everyone is aware, scheduling might be a little different next week, just in terms of you know, things going on and stuff like that. So we might be a little later with the episodes next week. Um, and again, toast starts next week. So we will try our best to make sure that we get everything out to you 
in a timely fashion, still figuring out how to make that work. But once I get a handle on the next couple of weeks to see how we are with the episodes, I will be able to make sure I figure out kind of roughly when you can expect an episode. But with that being constellation, that's why you're getting these this week's episodes a day early. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's it for the episode. Again, if you liked what you heard, please share the gift of reality tea times two with everyone in your life. Also, if you liked us, you can make sure you hit that follow button or subscribe button, depending on your app's language. Please, please make sure you do that. Again, if you want to rate us and review us, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to connect with us, you can connect with us on Facebook and or Instagram at reality times two. You can also email us at reality times two at hotmail.com. If you are an avid YouTube user, you can listen to us at reality times two. Also, we have a very beginner's website where you can listen to all of these episodes. You can also get links to our Facebook page, Instagram page, and YouTube page. All of the details for all of this will be in our show notes. So that's it for now. Thank you guys. Bye.